Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness where we are determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Now we're gonna talk about something that drains our power in about two seconds, our hormones and keeping us balanced hormonally is honestly a key to us finding our power, our mission, and our passion. And, you know, I hate when people call us hormonal creatures, but let's face it, it's a big part of who we are and we just need to own it. So staying on that theme, I have brought in today, Candace Bird. She's a hormone health educator and media personality with over 25 years in the field. Candace is the founder of Your Hormone Balance, an at-home hormone testing and rebalancing practice that helps people get to the root, keyword there, of troublesome hormone symptoms and learn how to rebalance utilizing a combination of research-based lifestyle diet and supplement and herb suggestions. She received her master's in health education in 1979, worked in medical publishing and editing in the UK. In recent years, she was the director of education at ZRT, Hormone Testing Labs, and spearheaded a nationwide hormone testing and rebalancing weight loss program at the Metabolic Research Center. Today, she continues to raise awareness about hormone health, disease prevention through her work as a writer, a speaker, and host of Women Talking Frankly, WTF podcast. I love it. Welcome to the show, Candace. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, yes, I, you've just made me feel very welcome, and I hope I can live up to that intro. Oh, of course you will. I have no doubt. But this whole hormone business, hormone deal, you've been yeah. in it longer than me. What got you intrigued by it, interested in it? It sounds like you built your life and career around it. Give us a little bit of background. Yeah, well, I i mean, years ago, I was a skier in Aspen. You know, I lived in Colorado, went to college and University of Colorado and got into skiing and went up and lived in Aspen for a while and taught skiing and found that I was having really bad knee problems. So I, instead of doing all the cortisone shots and the you know knee surgery, I started changing my diet and, and getting into nutrition and got really interested in all of that um, and re read a great book by Pavo Arola. He was one of the early wellness people about you know your your biochemistry our individual biochemistry and got fascinated went and got a health degree you know my my master's in health education but it was when i was in my late 40s um i actually had two little ones because i started late with children i was one of those mom you know maybe moms yeah yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't ready. You know, I was, I my it. husband and I got together and we were traveling through, we, we kind of hitchhiked through Europe and then we camped in Europe and then we ended up living there. And I just, and then there was just this moment when I was around 36, 35, I started feeling like there was this emptiness in life and the Brits call it broody, but I realized time to have kids. So long story short, I had my first when I was 37 and my second when I was 41, so that means by the time I was moving into menopause and getting hot flashes every 20 minutes and a mood swing in between, it was, it was hard on my kids. And there was, you know, I tell this story before about looking at my 
my four-year-old Ryan one day and she just had tears in her eyes because I was just being so mean. I was mean mommy. Hmm. And it was really, you know, it was the Jekyll and Hyde thing that I hear about all the time from my clients who are in perimenopause, those years nearing menopause. And that's where I was. And I knew it. Um, being a health educator, I knew I was probably drinking too much coffee and I was probably in perimenopause and I better do something about it before I, you know, ruined my, my got a, had a divorce and my children yeah. had to go into analysis. <sighs> so um, I, uh, I actually started reading. The first book I read was um, What Your Doctor May Now Tell You About Menopause by Dr. John R. Lee, who mm -hmm. is, you know, he's one of the pioneers. He's not with us anymore. I was actually with him the night that he died, which is oh, an interesting did. story. Yeah. But he was our, you know, he was the, the, the classic OBGYN who treated all the women in Mill Valley. And he had a lot of women on, on synthetic hormone replacement therapy. And he decided to go over to England and study with this woman, Katerina Dalton, who had been the kind of, dis she's the woman that put the, the term PMS on the map. She was mm -hmm. the first person to define PMS and have an, a, a study published in, in a British medical journal. So she defined PMS and the 150 symptoms that went with it. And she identified it as a hormone imbalance. And those were you know, back in the 80s, 70s, we weren't talking about the concept of hormone imbalance. Who knew that there was such a thing or that you could mm -hmm. test for it? But Dr. Lee wrote a book to talk about the fact that there are such things as hormone imbalances and, hey, what do our hormones do and which ones are important and which ones change our moods and our minds and our memory? And so I called, I actually wrote to him and I said, I'm a woman and I think I'm in perimenopause and I'm a health educator and I'm scaring my children and I really need help. Can I come and study with you? And he wrote back and said, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of retiring. I'm writing books now, but there's a very, uh, there's a, there's a biochemist in Portland, Oregon, where you live, who is starting a, a saliva hormone testing lab. And he's studied breast cancer. He's a researcher. I'm writing my book with him. His name is Dr. David Zava. Call him and see what, you know, if you can learn from him. And long story short, I called Dr. Zava, who, who was the founder of ZRT, Zava Research and Testing. And I had a job in a day because uh -huh. I'm a writer. I'm a health reporter and a writer and an investigative journalist. And he said, we need you. We need someone to do health education, but more importantly, we need someone that's been through it. So I promptly had a hot flash while I was sitting there with him. <laughs> of course. But okay, it was yeah. about time he said, you're hired. Oh my gosh, I love so, this. So, so I actually, I mean, not to keep talking about me, but the yeah. thing about my experience is that it's very hands-on. I'm not a doctor. But I got to learn from, you know, I was in, thrown into this right in the beginning when, when the uh, couple of years into this, the, the Women's Health Initiative came out yep. showing that, the, that risks were greater than benefit. If you were using a user of HRT over five years, they were showing risks of heart, heart attack and breast cancer that were unacceptable. They had to halt the study three years early. I was in there when Suzanne Summers wrote her book, uh, Sexy Years, and really put bioidentical hormones on the map. I learned from Dr. Zava, biochemists, compounding pharmacists. It was the heyday of the functional medicine yeah. movement. So that I've been able to look at thousands of test results because of working in the lab and educating consumers. And we were even training providers back then.
Hmm. So that's, that's kind of my background. So I'm, I'm pretty into it. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I do want to talk about, since it sounds like you have experience with it, talk to us about the women's health initiative. What did they get right? And what did they get wrong? Because a lot of that research is now being questioned, right. And, and saying there was a lack of personalization. There was a lack of looking at certain risk factors. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I still think that you know, I, I know that there some of it was debunked, but I, I, I know that the um, the dangers of synthetic hormones, the progestin yep. and the estrogens that are derived from pregnant mare's urine, you know, we're not horses. We don't we don't need to be using yeah, like one, don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> I try not to. Yeah. There are those horsey days, but sometimes yeah. I sleep like a horse, which is right. good. Right. But, um, you know, I. I don't think what has been debunked is the fact that breast cancer rates have certainly risen in tandem with the use of HRT. Mm -hmm. In 30 years ago, or was it, it's even more in the 60s, that Dr. Robert Wilson, who was hired by Wyeth Aris, the big pharmaceutical company that was making um, uh, uh, estrogen um, hormones back then in the 60s and put out this big advertising campaign about if you don't want to become an old crone that's shriveled and dried up and unpleasant to live with, you need to be put on estrogen hormones. And this guy went all over the country talking about this. And so all these women, millions of women went on estrogen therapy on its own and um, uterine cancer rates skyrocketed mm -hmm. uh, because there was no protective balancing with progesterone, right. the hormone that balances estrogen. So then they re, you know, revised things and it became synthetic estrogen with synthetic progestin, which some people feel is even worse and right. even riskier. Um, so I don't think that part has been debunked in the 30, 40 years women were on HRT. You can just look at the charts and breast cancer rates go rise in tandem with the use of HRT, which I think was the number one uh, drug that women were, medication that women of a certain age were using. So we know that there are, we know that over 90% of camp breast cancers are linked to, are driven by estrogen. Estrogen is a growth hormone. So that's definitely stands. Um, I, the risk of heart attacks, um, you know, we were told that estrogen and progestins, these HRTs combinations protected us against heart disease and against stroke. And I don't think that has been proven. In fact, it was debunked in the Women's Health Initiative. Um, and I don't think that they've managed to prove that, it's, that it helps us. And in the interim, we became aware of bioidentical hormones, which were right. always there. They were used, they've been used by uh, women in Europe for decades. And you know, I think when the Women's Health Initiative came out, a lot of women threw their HRT in the loo and we're kind of then out in the cold. The problem was, who do I talk to? The doctor I know is trained in prescribing HRT. The doctors were not knowing how to shift to bioidenticals, but I think over the last 10 years, we've made leaps and bounds with the growth of functional medicine doctors like yourself who know that, hey, we can now test for hormone imbalances and we can individualize hormone dosing to match the need of this particular person based on their test results, based on their symptoms. And we can use a bioidentical hormone that's plant derived mm -hmm. from soy or wild yam better than horse than pregnant mare's urine. Right. And, and it doesn't have the karmic fingerprint of horse torture. I mean, you don't want to even know what happens to those horses that are 
that are constantly providing that that hormone. So so anyway, I think what, wherever it stands at the moment, we still have risks that are associated with synthetic hormones and very few, if any, risks that are associated with bioidentical hormones. Um, that's, a, that's an argument so that the conventional guys sometimes really push back against. They say all hormones are bad, bioidentical and synthetic. What would you say to that argument? What's the justification for doing bioidentical? And there's, and we can go from there. Well, you know, I, my argument and the argument that I think is the consensus of, of the, the doctors in the field who are looking at this and who are becoming more and more savvy all the time. And in fact, of course, we're still learning. But, you know, hormones have functions. They are essential. They rule. They rule our mental, physical, emotional life. The estrogens grew all of our female organs. Um, there, you know, estrogen is the angel of life. It's a growth hormone. It, it is important. We have to have it. It has a lot to do with our heart health, with our bone health. Progesterone is the hormone that balances estrogen, and progesterone is, is the hormone we have to have to take a pregnancy to term. They, all of these testosterone and, and DHEA, the androgens, they build bone, they build muscle, they, they enhance our libido, they make us strong. Women need to be strong and have stamina. All of these hormones have a role. So it gets into a conversation about, yes, you can use bioidentical hormones to relieve symptoms that you may be, and perimenopausal women are having roller coaster symptoms. And sometimes a little bit of the great balancing hormone progesterone, which is very benign and can be used in small amounts, can really do a world of good, help you sleep, calm you down. That's what I started using when I was scaring my children and it was like night and day. Yeah. So the argument really is, yes, if you test your hormone levels and you test them in a medium that is going to measure your bioavailable or active hormone levels, that is the fraction that's left the bloodstream and is actually active in the target tissues. And you then have, a, you're using a, a Goldilocks dose of that hormone, just mm -hmm. the smallest effective Small, dose right. to relieve symptoms that can be, you know, that can be very helpful and not harmful if we're using low dose amounts and delivering it. The way you deliver a hormone too, you know all this, but I'm speaking to the choir, but yeah. the way you deliver a hormone is so important. You can use a much lower dose if you use a topical hormone because it, it goes bypasses the gut and the liver and it goes straight to the target tissues into the bloodstream. You don't have to use a, a higher amount like you do with, with oral um, delivery of hormones. So a low dose based on test results used to relieve symptoms that are making your life a misery can be, can be a game changer for so many women, especially women in perimenopause who are trying to have you know, a full-time career and their moms and they've got interests and they'd like to have a little time to themselves, thank you. You know, trying to pull all that off can be really impossible. The question I get from menopausal women all the time is just what you asked me, but are these hormones safe? I mean, I'm in menopause now, do I really need them? And my argument is, you know, we women lived to be 50, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're living to be 90. Right. My mother just passed. She was 92 years old. That is another third of your life that you have to go. The third act. Mm -hmm. uh, Fonda did a great TED talk on that. But 
you know, we have another 30 years to go. And if hormones are essential to blood flow and how our blood vessels work and how strong our bones are and, you know, whether or not we get, we get uh, imbalances that cause all kinds of skin issues where our skin starts to sag and our libido sags and we get chin hairs and we're in a horrible mood all the time. Is that really where we want to be? No. Not to mention, don't we want to protect our heart and our bones and our brains, mm -hmm. all of those things require an essential amount of hormone. That's the job they've always done. They're fundamental. And so the idea is nobody's saying just go out and get a prescription from someone without testing. You have to insist on testing. You have to insist that someone re you know, interprets your results and figures out a way to help you replenish. So my argument is we're just talking about topping up we're replenishing. It's, it's like there are nine amino acids that are the building blocks of protein that our bodies do not make. Where do we get those amino acids? From the foods we eat because our bodies can't produce them. When I, once I got into menopause and my body was no longer making the kind of hormones I needed to be a safe, sane person that anyone could live with, yeah. um, I'm gonna replenish, you know, and and we're talking our we're talking about all the fundamentals: sleep, energy, mental clarity, happiness, joy, being able to even experience it. Because people get to a place where they'll tell me, "I haven't smiled in two years. Mm. I haven't done anything that I want to do in so long. I just don't have any motivation. I can't work out." Or it's the other way where women are gaining weight and they can't lose and they can't sleep and they're miserable and they're working out all the time to the, to the extent that now they're creating another problem, their stress hormones are all awry. So, so what are those nine, you know, what are those nine nutrients that you think all women going into perimenopause and menopause need? Um, well, you know, I find a lot of women are in trying to lose weight or to, um, you know, to follow the latest diet are restricting a lot of foods. And it, it, it's really sort of that whole 30 fab four approach that I think is best where yeah. we know that the building blocks of hormones in terms of nutrients are proteins and good fats. Those two are absolutely essential. So if you're, I see a lot of test results with people who are vegans and don't get mad at me, vegans, I'm saying <laughs> vegans, comma, who may not be combining proteins properly. That can be a problem. Um, a lot of women that are vegan and have been plant-based forever, and I remember when my kids were little, they wanted to be vegetarians because they wanted to protect the animals. And mm -hmm. we probably all need to go plant-based at some point to stop the, you know, the, the greenhouse gases that are emitted from protein-bearing animals. But at this point, in time, we need we need to be good at combining our proteins, learning about which, you know, the, the quinoa and the chia. I just had a great chia seed pudding this morning. Um, there's ways to get healthy protein, but you've got to get it. You can't just restrict it from your diet. We need um, the good fats. And, and that used to be, I remember when I first moved back to the United States from living in England for many years, everybody was down on fat and it was all about fat free. 
So, you know, everything was fat free and right. high sugar. They, right. they just replaced the fat with the carbohydrate. I think that's when obesity really started to really go started up in numbers. Absolutely. Fat free, fat free and fatter. So good fats, like, you know, the olive oils and the, the, uh, the coconut, everything mm -hmm. coconut, um, um, you know, all the nuts and seeds, the flax seeds, the hemp seeds, uh, the, the good fats in, um, help me here. I'm, I'm running out of, yeah, no, you got avocado, it. Avocado, yeah. you know, oh. eggs, uh, fatty fish, salmon, halibut, those sorts of things. Um, we also need fiber because fiber is so absolutely essential to detoxification. You know, our hormones are like anything, they have to be metabolized. We don't want them to accumulate in the, in our system, especially if we're using, if we're supplementing with hormones, we don't want them to accumulate. And we also are exposed to hormones in the environment big time. And that's where we get into conversations about, you know, there's, there's lead in lipstick. That's a heavy metal. There's carbon in eyeshadow. That's another heavy metal. There's when we microwave in plastic, that plastic is leaching chemicals that actually act like estrogens in our bodies. They actually mm -hmm. can make their way into the bloodstream and into the target tissues and depose the naturally occurring hormones that our own bodies make and get in there and overstimulate the whole system and create hormonal imbalance. So fiber can help to, us to detox from the many environmental uh, sources of, of estrogens Number one is estrogen that's injected into the cattle and the dairy, the beef cattle and the dairy that we, that many women are unwittingly still eating. They're not yeah. reading ingredients. You know, you got to read those ingredients and look for the sign that says our cows are happy cows. We don't give them artificial hormones because those estrogens that are used to fatten a cow to make it fat and produce more milk or more meat makes us fat. It goes into our system and creates hormone imbalances. So, you know, avoiding, always looking for the label, pick up the carton of the eggs and make sure it says our hens have not been given any artificial hormone or GMOs or, you know, antibiotics because so, so anyway, fiber, the third nutrient is hugely important, of course, to detox and also vegetables, of course, are, are greens are also providing all kinds of minerals and nutrients that are involved in the breakdown of energy and in the, you know, in the, in the creation of hormones. We need like vitamin B6. We need vitamin B6 just to make progesterone to help us ovulate. That it's a cofactor in the breakdown of the glucose molecule energy. So, so you know, we need every, all the nutrients we can get in the foods we eat. And I should mention also that cruciferous vegetables in particular, um, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, those sorts of vegetables have an active ingredient, sulforaphane, that has been shown to actually help the body get rid of an accumulation of toxins or hormonal toxins. It's actually, there are pathways that these hormones metabolize down in the body. And I won't get into the weeds there. Right. I'm sure you know all about the phase two yep. detoxification pathways. But so, but we can help our bodies detoxify and, and deal with these hormones. You know, you want to use them and then you want to lose them. You don't Absolutely. want them to accumulate. And that's where vegetables, greens, uh, as you know, not raw, you don't want to use cruciferous vegetables raw, but you want them every chance you get. And some people, 
are, you know, so high in estrogen levels that that can be really, really helpful as an addition to, to the diet. And there's even um, a supplement called DIM, methane, which is the active ingredient of cruciferous vegetables. So if you can't eat two pounds of broccoli a day, you can put in your cruc crucifers where you can and then, and then use some DIM, which has also helped a lot of people clear up their skin because yeah. it is so detoxifying. Have you found that with oh, your patients? Yeah, and I see it yeah. across the board in the, the yeah, in the PCOS community, the endometriosis community, and then even in the perimenopause, menopause yeah. world, for sure. Well, believe it or not, we just have a few more minutes. So I want you to talk about maybe the best way or the ways you like to test hormones. And then also maybe answer one other question, because I get this one all the time. Like, you know, many people are saying that the new hormones that are out there that are prescribed, things like Vivel, um, some of these type of hormone patches are more bioidentical. Do you agree that those are bioidentical or is the best bet still like the 80-20, you know, estriol-estradiol combo or the 50-50 estradiol-estriol combo? What's your thought there? You know, as far as what I see in my patients, delivery systems really matter. So some, you know, don't don't lose heart, ladies, if you have to go through a few different ways of using a hormone. Um, the the topical creams can be really good for some people, and that's where you get you can get a nice bias combination in a topical cream formulated by a compounder to be just the right amount, like you said, 80% estriol, which is the weaker of the estrogens, but can occupy a receptor site, so keep the bad estrogens out. And a lot of women find early on that estriol alone can help with some of the hot flashes and UTIs and that sort of thing. So with the creams, you can do the, the biased, and I like those a lot, but the transdermal patches are often are also very effective at delivering hormone. They're real easy. The Vivel patch and the climate, the Vivel dot and the Climera yeah. are FDA approved. So at least we have some FDA approved bioidentical hormones. So that if that makes you feel better, uh, women feel better that they're using something that's FDA approved, then by all means use a patch. You can use it for a week on and then you take it off for a couple of days. Very few women have, some women get itchy or, you know, have a rash, but that's not usually a problem. But the important thing with that is that you want to add the progesterone in as a, as a topical or a, a cream. They don't have progesterone patches. But right. NAMS, the North American Menopause Society that is so conservative and has taken a long time to move over to the bioidenticals, even approves the transdermal patch. Wow. So I think, you know, it depends on what works better for you. Some women can't remember to use their cream and it's right. easier for them to have a patch. What do you find? It depends on the patient, right? Yeah. So some do really well. A lot do well with the creams, but some hate a cream. So yeah. sometimes we'll do a trochee. There's a, I've seen an uptick in the use of vaginal, like vaginal estrogen, vaginal progesterone as well. Which can be great for vaginal dryness. And yeah. that's such an that's issue great. with women. Yeah, I don't think these hormones, you know, the, the bioidentical, they're all bioidentical that what you're talking about, the bias and, and the transformer patch. So either way, you're getting something that's derived from plants that's made, it, they're made in a lab. Yes, they are, but they're made to be identical in structure and function to the hormones your own body makes. So they fit. They fit perfectly like that key in the lock. Mm -hmm. So we do, we do have a lot more choices now. 
I think that's such a such progress because you know I think back to my twenties and over 20 years ago, and I was on biomedical progesterone at that time. Don't need it anymore, at least currently, just because so many of my health markers are are balanced. I anticipate needing it in the next decade, but but it's just at that time, it was so radical to be on bioidentical progesterone. And I think we've come so far yeah. that I think that's really encouraging to see. Now, uh, we just have about a minute left. So talk to everybody about testing. And I think you have a special offer for my, uh, yes. for my listeners and viewers. Well, I test through CRT labs, given my long experience, and because they have an amazing comment field that really interprets and customizes all the results. And then um, we have a, a customized rebalancing guide. So we'll look at your, uh, your test levels and say, okay, your testosterone levels were low. What can you do naturally to raise and boost your levels, like strength training? We may suggest certain vitamins and remedies, and you can find our testing on web online at yourhormonebalance.com. My daughters who used to get really tired of me talking about hormones are now running the business pretty much. And they're the, they're Jesse and Ryan, Ryan is our our co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. Jessica, my daughter is is an Institute of Integrative Nutrition health coach. And between the three of us, we we are hitting it hard with all the education. Go to our Instagram. It's great. And um, we have a symptom quiz online. So take that quiz and then we'll, we'd love to offer your listeners today a $50 off our kit and consult package. If you want to offer that at some code, you might adopt, we could say TAS50. I love it. And you'll get $50 off that kit. And then we, we provide a, a wealth of information and we do have health coaches you can talk to. Um, so we're trying to provide all the education we can because really I found so many women are taking matters into their own hands. They, they don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's the first step. Learning, becoming aware, knowing the symptoms of hormone imbalance, knowing that a heavy painful period is not normal, you know, not accepting that, oh, you're just in, you know, you're just, you just need to be put back on birth control. Right. Or you just need to be on an antidepressant. That's not a good enough answer. That is not the cure and that is not the best approach. So we're just trying to add into working with, you know, along with side people like you. Thank God you're there. We need you. Um, <laughs> I love the work I do. I'm very passionate about it, but I know I sit on the shoulders of really big giants who've been in this field for a long time. So it's such a pleasure to have this conversation. I feel like I could go on forever. There's so much we didn't even touch when it comes to this topic, but that's just the nature of hormones and talking about hormones. Yes. But we can have a part two sometime. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you want to share that Instagram handle? What was your Instagram handle? Oh, it's at at your hormone balance, at your hormone balance, and then just yourhormonebalance.com. But the Instagram is fantastic and it's fun and fun and we have a great newsletter too. Okay. So Perfect. yeah, I hope your, your listeners will go there. All right, guys, check it out and continued hormone content coming your way. I promise this is not a topic we're going to move off of anytime soon. And for all of you watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, remember you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you email me your review to hello at drtaz.com, I'll send you a free bottle of booze. All right, I will see you guys next time. 